All right, how many guys are excited for big screen coming up? Come on now. If you're not sure what that is, uh, well, Brett gave a pretty good definition, but uh, we believe that it's important to reach the generation that we're in and to try to relate to them the best that we can. And so uh, we, we do this series every year. It's one of our favorite series that we do where we use uh, movies, great movies that have some great principles, and we believe that we can correlate some principles that are in the movies to the Word of God and teach people in a way that they can connect to and relate to. So this is what I will say about the big screen. The big screen is one of the best times that you can invite an unchurched person to come to church uh, because they're going to be able to come and hear a message that's going to be able to reach them exactly where they're at. Uh, the funny thing is, if you invite somebody that's from a traditional church background, you get to watch them squirm the whole service. And that might be fun too. So you can invite them too. But this is uh, one of the best evangelistic series that we do every year. And so I'd encourage you, please, please invite somebody to come to church. But you have to know this, you will not be able to see any of these unless you're here in person. They will not be posted online. None of these will be put, posted on the website. You won't be able to see a recording of them. So the only way that you're going to be able to see these is if you're here in person. And, uh, and I'd encourage you to invite someone because there's nothing like inviting somebody who is unchurched or dechurched and see them get touched by God and see them uh, be uh, touched in an internal way. And so I'd encourage you guys, make sure you invite somebody to come to church. As Ricky said, we're wrapping up our guardrail series. And today I want to talk to you about our time. Uh, if you have your Bibles, Bible apps with you, you can uh, turn to Psalm 90. That's the text we're going to be looking at today, Psalm 90. I think it's important that we have some guardrails around our time. Uh, the thing about time is it's, it's a little bit like, like money. You can, you can spend it or you can invest it. The way it is different than money is you can't save it. Uh, it, it it's either going to be spent or it's going to be invested. And our heart for you is, is not that you just spend your time, but that you are aware of the time that you have and that you are thinking about how you're investing it in a way that has an eternal impact. Most of the time when you ask somebody around you how they are doing, 90% of the time the response is going to be, I'm busy. How you guys been doing? Oh, we're good. We've just been busy. We're busy. How many of y'all would say you've been a little busy? Anybody in the house? One of the things you almost never hear is this. When you ask them how you're doing, they almost never say, I'm just really relaxed and well-rested. I'm just at total peace right now in my life. And ah, so much extra time just to pray and seek the Lord, you know, just bask in his creation. You don't hear that. And if you do hear that from someone, you judge them. You know I'm right. You hear that and you're like, oh, really? Okay, you need me to put you to work? You need my kids to come hang out at your house for a little bit? Is that what you need? Because really, a lot of us wear our busyness as a badge of honor. Like this is a really good thing that we're busy all the time. You have to know this. Busyness is not one of the fruit of the Spirit. And if you read through what those are, busyness will typically counteract all the fruit of the Spirit. You, you won't be able to produce those things. Like Ricky was mentioning, you know, love, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, self-control. Busyness typically doesn't help facilitate those things. And busyness 
can really, really hurt your spirit. It can really counteract spiritual growth in your life. Uh, I, I can be a busy person. I, I can be really impatient in my busyness. Uh, and so maybe you guys, some of you can relate to some of these things. But how many of you, when you get into an elevator, you push the close button? You want those doors to close. How many of you push it multiple times? You think if I push it more times, it'll close quicker. Okay. How many of y'all, when you get on an escalator, you're still walking? Okay, ever been to the airport, you know, the moving sidewalks? I don't get on that so I don't have to walk. I get on that so I can feel like I'm moving really fast. I, I, like, I like just being able to, to get through things. Uh, how many of y'all, when you're at Walmart, which we try to avoid, if at all possible, but how many, when you're at Walmart and you go to check out, you start evaluating all the lines? You're checking it out. Like you figured out, right, they got this many items. Ooh, that item could cause an issue. I saw that that was for sale, but I saw it somewhere else. It wasn't for sale, so they may have to call a manager up front for that. I don't want to get in that line. Oh, that lady, well, she's just moving at the speed of molasses in January, so I don't want to go to her line. So then you got to evaluate, do I want to go to the self-checkout line? But there's a big risk with that as well, right? Because you could get over there and one of the scanners could not be working. Then you got to find somebody to come and help you. And those people are just, that, that's where they, like, they stick to people that don't know how to check out. And so they stick those people over there. So then you go over there and, and, and then you got to, you got to, you know, load your own bags of groceries and everything. I think that we should get a little bit of a discount for using the self-checkout line because we're helping them cut down on their overhead. I mean, I, I should get a little bit of kickback on that, I think. But we have all these things that, 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 that we're aware of because we're busy, because we're running through life. I've talked a lot about my road rage, and my wife told me I shouldn't mention this one. But, okay, there, here's another example. The other day, I literally screamed at a car. They could not hear me, but I screamed at a car that still has not understood the function of an on-ramp. So I just, I just, it is with as much grace and kindness as I possibly can. Let me explain to you what these on-ramps are for. You have one job when you get on an on-ramp. And that is to adjust your speed to the speed limit of the road that you are entering. I'm out. You asking the rest of the world to slow down to 50 miles an hour is one of the most selfish things that you can do on the road today. Please. I know you may have a little four-banger. I've been there. I know it's difficult to get that up to speed, but you do everything you can. Because <sighs> we're busy and we're moving fast. I have a little bit of a problem. You might too. So I want us to look at this verse in Psalm 90. And King David wrote a lot of the Psalms. Uh, another guy named Asaph wrote a lot of them, but Moses actually wrote this one. Psalm ninety twelve says this, teach us to number our days. Teach us to number our days. Okay, so anytime you see that word teach, this means this is not something that's going to come naturally to you. This is not something that you default to. This is something that you're going to have to learn. Teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. And wisdom 
is one of the greatest attributes that I think we can ask God for. I mean, Solomon, he did that. He could have had anything else. He asked for wisdom, and God said, because you asked for wisdom, I'm going to give you everything else. And I know that we all want everything else, and so I think it's important that we gain some wisdom. And specifically around time, this is really, really important. Not something natural to us. There are some things in our life that we will count the days to. Right? Like a wedding day. Like every bride will have a countdown to her wedding day. Every bride will have a countdown to her wedding day. Every groom will have a countdown to the honeymoon. Okay? <laughs> hey <laughs> We just think differently. <laughs> a lot of y'all, you'll start counting down days of Christmas. Last March. Because we count down days to this stuff. Because we're excited. I want to let you know, now that Thanksgiving is over, you may decorate your house with Christmas. Yes. According to New Life Church policy, we will now release you to be able to do that. But here's the deal, people. Give the holiday its time. Okay? Some of y'all... You started decorating for Christmas as soon as Halloween was done. And I don't know what's wrong with you people. Give each holiday its time, please. But we count down some days on some different things. Sometimes we spend our time on earth like our time isn't already decided. Sometimes we spend our time on earth like our days are not numbered. And that's why Moses is saying, look, we need to gain a heart of wisdom around this. He goes on in verse 13, relent, Lord, how long will it be? Have compassion on your servants. Satisfy us in the morning with your unfailing love that we may sing for joy and be glad all our days. Make us glad for as many days as you have afflicted us, for as many years as you have, for as many years as we have seen trouble. So in other words, what this is saying is, God, help us just to live in the moment. Help us to see your goodness and your grace. God, help us to understand that if we have seasons of affliction, that it is just a season, but that we can trust you for your blessing. But God, help us to see that even in the seasons of affliction, that that is still time and it is precious. And we are limited in the time that we are given. And so we need to make the most and enjoy the journey and make memories. Verse 16 says, may your deeds be shown to your servants, your splendor to their children. May the favor of the Lord rest on us. How many of y'all would like the favor of the Lord to rest on you in your lives? 20% of us want the favor of the Lord. The rest of us, good luck. Establish the work of our hands. Establish the work of our hands for us. Yes, establish the work of our hands. What's that mean? It means, God, I want the favor, your favor on everything that I do. And if I have to work, let my work count for something. Let my work be more than just day in and day out routine. But let me see the kingdom in everything that I do. Let me see eternity in everything that I do. Let me see opportunities, God, around my work, around my job. Let me see the souls. Let me see the people that I I work around every day, that I function around every day. Help me to see it. Let your favor be on it, not so that it just provides for me and my family, but more importantly, let it provide something for the kingdom of God. Let it bring glory to you, God. Let me see my time. So I want you to write this down. My time is limited, so I need to limit how I spend my time. 
You need some guardrails. You need some parameters. Because some of us are living our lives to the very limit with no margin, no breathing room. There's no time to enjoy life. The life that God has given you, no time to let God speak to you. And the consequences are very real when we live life like this. So some of the costs of busyness. First of all, busyness increases our stress. Busyness increases our stress. You know what I think is added to this more than anything? This device right here. I mean, you remember when we had pagers? Or before we had any of that? I just feel like my stress was a lot lower. And so you have these phones now, and it's like notifications. You got some notifications. How many of y'all stress out when you see little red dots on your phone a little bit? You just get a little anxious, a little busy. Some of y'all don't care at all. That's why you don't have circles. You have ovals. You have red ovals on your phone. But there's apps. There's all this stuff you got to keep up with, right? Social media, you got to keep up with it. I've been getting these invitations lately for this app called Marco Polo. Now, I ain't going to judge, but I don't need another stinking app on my phone. I don't need one more thing that I'm going to try to keep track of. No. What happened to old Marco Polo? Just playing it. Marco. See, it still works. We don't need another app. We don't need one more thing to keep track of. But the truth is this. The spiritual implications of the stress that's being created around us is very, very real. It's really hard to hear God speak when you're so busy and stressed. It's also hard to influence people to see this awesome life that you're living in Jesus when you are stressed out all the time. Yeah, I'm a Christ follower. (laughs) I love Jesus. Kids, shut up! You want to come to church? It's hard to have a good witness when you're living like that. Hard to influence people when you're overwhelmed and tired and scared and anxious. Feeling stress can also make you very cynical and callous to people. Business harms our health. Business harms our health. Eventually, this stress, this hurry sickness can literally make you sick. So some burnout stats. 44% of employees experience burnout at their jobs. According to a Gallup poll, only 32% of employees in the U.S. are finding satisfaction in their place of work. Like they're truly engaged in their place of work, enthusiastic about it. Stress increases the body output of the stress hormone cortisol which suppresses the immune system. It's been linked to heart disease, increased weight gain, loss of memory, high blood pressure, high cholesterol. Stress also triggers mental illnesses like depression. The list goes on and on and on. Stress will eventually manifest itself in your physical body. Business also shortens our fuse. Shortens our fuse. We get uptight, irritable, out of control. Man, I, I can live here sometimes. We don't usually walk around with a lot of patience when we're busy. And who do we usually let all of this anger and frustration out on? 
Our boss? Oh, not usually. The waitress? Maybe time to time, but usually not. Usually in public, we're on our best behavior. It's usually the people we love the most to get the brunt of our anger and our frustration because of how busy we're living. This happened to me a couple days ago. We were working on our, our thanks serving. I want to thank everybody who helped with thanks serving. We'll give you guys a report on that at the end of service. But here we are. We're out, you know, doing the work of God, serving Jesus, delivering meals. But you got addresses, and I got all four kids, and they're, and they're cutting up, and they're mean loud, and I'm trying to find where I'm going to go deliver this food to bust somebody for Jesus. And the kids won't be quiet. So I'm yelling and screaming at them. Everybody, shut up. We're giving people Thanksgiving. (laughs) Busyness will put you in that place pretty quick. Also, busyness damages our relationships. We're so busy that we don't really spend quality time around people anymore. If we do spend time with people, we're not really all there because we're checking a score. We're checking a game. We're checking Insta, Facebook. We're not completely there. What about our relationship with God? Anybody ever fallen asleep praying before? Or just gotten distracted? Like you're just praying? This happens to me. All the time. Uh, me and the staff, staff were up here a few days a week praying. I can't tell you how many times. I, and we're usually praying here and we're in here praying. God, thank you so much. You lay level paths, straight paths. These chairs are not straight. They, they, how did these chairs get so crooked? So then I'll start straightening chairs. Oh, yeah, I'm praying. Oh, yeah. God, thank you so much for just how you refresh my life. It is hot in here. Oh my gosh, what is going on right now? What's, people have been messing with the thermostats again. Or ever been reading the word or trying to read the word and you can't even remember what you just read? It's, it's like sometimes when you're driving and you'll be home and you don't even remember how you got there. That happened to anybody? Like, how are we even alive today? And it's because our minds are everywhere else than in the moment, than in that relationship. And this happened in the Bible. There's a great story about this story of Martha and Mary, these two sisters, and Jesus goes over to hang out at their house. And, uh, but the, the disciples are going to be there, and, and one of the sisters wanted to make sure that, that Jesus and the disciples were hosted well. And so she goes in and starts preparing a meal, but the other sister is like, not really into that, and she just wants to hang out with Jesus. So in Luke chapter 10, verse 40, it says this, But Martha was distracted by the big dinner that she was preparing. So she came to Jesus and said, Lord, doesn't it seem unfair to you that my sister just sits here while I do all the work? Some of y'all can relate to that from Thanksgiving, right? Like you cooked for hours and hours and hours. And then everybody ate all the food and they got done like, man, I need a nap. I've just eaten myself tired. And you're like, oh, no, 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 no. I ain't cleaning this kitchen by myself. A little indignant. 
tell her to come and help me. But the Lord said to her, my dear Martha, you are worried and upset over all these details. There's only one thing worth being concerned about. Mary has discovered it. And it will not be taken away from her. Man. Because the reality is a lot of the things that we fret over, that we're worried about and stressed about, guess what? They're not going to last. The one thing that does last forever is relationships. That's the one thing that does last forever. What's interesting is this is Luke. And, and Luke went and he interviewed people to write the book. So guess who he interviewed to get this story? Martha. Which means Martha was the one who said, man, I was busy. and I was, I was, I was Clearly she got her focus back. Clearly, she started living again for what really matters. So today is a great opportunity for all of us just to take a step back, take a deep breath, kind of reevaluate our lives, where we're at, how we're spending our time. This is not a, a self-help talk. This is not a self-help seminar. You need to understand your time is one of the most spiritual elements that God has given you because your time has eternal implications. So how you spend your time. Jesus did not die on the cross so that you could be stressed out without focus and distracted. God didn't send his only son to die so that you could be unhealthy and depressed and discouraged. He sent his son so that we could live life and life to the fullest. We are his ambassadors. And Christians are some of the most stressed out people I know. We represent him. We're called to be salt and light in a dark place. But if all of our energy is being poured out into things that don't really matter, we won't have anything to give to the world around us. So what example are we setting if we have no peace? We're always stressed out. No time for people. Damaged relationships. I want to give you a couple guardrails in the form of questions I think that are worth looking at. First of all, what do you need to stop? What do you need to stop? What do I need to stop? Now, this is not an excuse to be lazy, okay? But it is to make room for what really matters. It says in Hebrews 12, 1, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. Now, I, I admit that this verse is primarily talking about sin, but sin is anything that causes you to miss the mark. Okay? So this is saying, run a race. Let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, for you, not everybody else. Run the race that's marked out for you, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and the perfecter of our faith. We can apply this to how we're living our lives because we have taken on way more than God has designed for us to take on. And I think one of the ways that this happens is, and I think it is primarily perpetuated by social media, is so many of us are exhausted and worn out because we're trying to run somebody else's race. We're trying to be something that God never created us to be. 
And we're looking at the pressure of, man, look at so-and-so. Man, look at what they're doing. And look at how they're raising their kids. And look at, oh my goodness. And i got to try to be like that. Run your race. God didn't design you to run their race. It's going to wear you out. It's going to stress you out. So I think maybe you need to create a stop list. Or stop list. Some of you need to put a hobby on this list. Because your hobby has become an idol. Your hobby has become more important than relationships. Your hobby has at least become more important than the primary relationships that God has given you. Your first priorities. If you're married, your marriage is your first ministry and your first priority. If you have kids, they're right after that. And so no other hobby should come before that. So maybe you need to put that on your list. Some of you need to put a name on that list. Because there's a relationship you do have that wears you out, drains you, causes you to be negative, pessimistic. They just join in with the negative talk and perpetuate it which ultimately exhausts you and zaps your energy. Some of you need to put working overtime here because your work has become your idol. And you're working too much at the cost of everything else. And then whatever it is providing, it is not worth you sacrificing your joy and your peace in relationships. Some of you need to put traveling here because you're gone all the time. What do you need to stop doing? Where are you wasting your energy? Some of you need to stop pleasing people. Some of you need to stop being negative. Stop being bitter. Some of you need to stop trying to change people because it ain't your job. The Holy Spirit is really good at his job. He's been doing it a long time. You really need to get out of his way. Some of you need to stop comparing yourself to other people. Some need to stop beating yourself up about your past, your sin. All these things require time and energy. So maybe you need to create a stop list. You know, God, he knows exactly what we need. That's why he instituted a Sabbath. Like from the very beginning, he gave us an example for this. At one point, though, the Israelites were were taken into captivity in Egypt. And while they were there, they were slaves, which meant they didn't take any time off. So for 400 years, they were in this mindset and mentality of we never stop working. We never stop working. We just got to keep working. And so as soon as they're delivered out of captivity, you remember the Ten Commandments, right? Like most of us can remember, the the fourth commandment was, Thou shalt taketh a day offeth. (laughs) Not really. Exodus 20, verse 8 says this, Remember to observe the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. You have six days each week for your ordinary work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath day of rest dedicated to the Lord your God. And this one goes hand in hand with do not forsake the gathering of the saints. I know sometimes getting to church can feel like work. 
but it's one of the things that recharges you the most. Unless you're too busy to allow God to minister to you. But this is very clear. Like, you need to take a day off. This was a big deal. Especially back then, it was a big deal because you worked for what you had. Like, you, they didn't have refrigerators. So, if you didn't work a day, how are you going to have food? How are you going to have what you needed? So, this was the ultimate sign of saying, God, I do trust you. I do trust you. I trust that you're going to have to provide because if I'm not working, I'm not eating. But I'm going to honor you. I'm going to rest. I'm going to rest because it is a spiritual act of worship. I'm going to rest because my physical body needs it. I'm going to rest because my relationships need it. And I'm going to trust you. What do you need to stop doing? Also, what do you need to start? What do you need to start? And some of you need to put a hobby here. Some of you need to put a name of a relationship that you need to pursue here. Some of you need to put work here. I'm just going to leave that out there. Some of you need to put traveling here. There is a way that you can travel that is very intentional. Very kingdom-minded, you know? Maybe you need to start focusing on your relationship with God and His will for your life. You need to start that. You need to find some time to read your Bible and pray. Maybe you need to start attending a life group because you're trying to live life by yourself and you need people in your life that are going the same direction as you. They can encourage you. Maybe you need to start serving in your church. Maybe you need to start having a date night with your wife. Maybe you need to start spending some quality time with your kids. Or maybe there's a kid that needs that quality time. I find that. We have four kids. And I, and I feel like they kind of tag team. Like, who needs that focus time? Who needs that, that extra daddy attention? It is amazing the difference it makes when you're intentional. Maybe you need to just start having some time alone. <laughs> Every stay-at-home mom in the house said, Amen. You know, but, but really, some of you, you need to get around people, and some of you, you need some solitude. Because sometimes people distract themselves so they don't have to deal with the real issues. And maybe you need to do that. What I would just encourage you is just do more of what matters most. Figure out what that is. Ephesians 5, 15 through 16 says, Be very careful then how you live, not as unwise but as wise, making the most of every opportunity. Why? Because the days are evil. Sometimes the most spiritual thing that you can do is get more sleep. Sometimes the most spiritual thing that you can do is say, no, no, I can't do that. 
we're not going to do that. I'm glad everybody else is going. We're not. If our family doesn't love us because we don't do this, they never really loved us to start with. But no. No. Whatever it might be. And then another guardrail. What area of your life just needs more focus? You just need to focus. James 4.13 says, Come now, you who say today or tomorrow, we will go and to do such and such in a city, or spend a year there and engage in business and make a profit, yet you do not know what your life will be like tomorrow. You are just a vapor that appears for a little while, then vanishes away. Other translations in the NIV, it says you are a mist. <laughs> NLT says your life is like the morning fog. You probably aren't going to get this verse tattooed somewhere. It doesn't feel like the most encouraging thing, but it is a reality. But I I love the symbolism in this. Because a couple mornings ago, we had some some thick fog, right? So we're driving through this fog, and, and, and what do you have to do when you're driving in fog? You have to focus and slow down. You gotta focus and slow down. If you're not focused, you're gonna be in trouble. The other thing I notice is one moment there's fog, the moment, the next moment, the sun comes out and the fog is gone. You see, at one point or another in your life, you're going to stand before the sun and he's going to burn off all the fog. And all of a sudden you're going to see really clear and you're going to realize, man, I was missing some stuff. I should have focused in. I'd encourage you, man, you don't know what tomorrow holds. You don't know what tomorrow holds. Trust me, I do enough funerals. You have no idea what tomorrow holds. Some of us need to focus. Some of you need to focus on your health. Some of you need to focus on your spiritual health. Some of you need to focus on your finances. Put God in the middle of it. Some of you need to focus on your kids. Put God in the middle of those relationships. Some of you need to focus on your marriage. Some of you need to focus on taking some time off of work. You need to focus on your own soul. Some of us need to focus on evangelism in the Great Commission. Like we're doing well, but we've forgotten. God didn't just save us to save us. He saved us and gave us a job. We have a purpose. It's to make heaven crowded. Look, we have time for what we choose to have time for. Let's just ask God to give us wisdom in our schedules with our time. It says in John 15, 5, apart from me, you can do nothing. And that whole chapter talks about how God is a vine and we are the branches. Like as long as we're connected to him, we will produce fruit. As long as we stay connected with him, you don't have to worry. Everything else will come. Everything else will happen. But if we begin to separate ourselves, if we begin to compartmentalize and take God out of our schedules and out of our time and, and quit seeking him and, and allowing his Holy Spirit to help us and to teach us about how we're using our time, apart from him, we can do nothing. Let's close our eyes, bow our heads. We just need to reflect. What do you need to stop?
What do you need to start? And what needs some more focused attention? Father, our prayer is that you would teach us to number our days so we may have a heart of wisdom. Help our lives, our hearts, and our intentions to align with yours. We want to make the most of our time here on earth. Let us be a light in a dark world. Help us just to live in partnership with you, with your Holy Spirit. On some of you, you would identify yourself as a Christian. But as long as you can remember, you have always been stressed and anxious. It's been difficult for you to ever have peace. It's been difficult for you to ever have joy. And I think that there is a chance that if, if that's you, there's a chance that maybe you haven't completely surrendered to him. You haven't completely made him your Lord. You might've you had an encounter with him as your savior. In other words, he saved you. He saved you from your sin. He saved you. But it doesn't stop there. He wants to be your Lord. He doesn't want to just save you from your sin. He wants to help you in your life. He wants to have control in your life so that you can have the life that he created you for. If you're here today and you would just admit that you would just confess that you have never surrendered your life to God as your Lord and Savior, or maybe you did, but you've you've gotten off track, you've gotten away from him, maybe you just need to come back to him. You need to rededicate your life to him today. If you're in either one of those places, right now, I just want you to put your hand up. As soon as I see your hand, you can put it down. If you're ready to commit it to him, got it. Thanks, man. Anybody else? Thank you. Got you. Anybody else? I need to make that commitment. I need to surrender to him as my Lord. I, I haven't been trusting him. Anybody else? Okay. Father God, I thank you for this, folks, to just raise their hand. And if you raise your hand, just tell them, God, Right now, I surrender my life to you. I know that I'm a sinner. I thank you that you sent your son Jesus to die on the cross for me. Right now, I ask for your forgiveness. Thank you for saving me from my sin. But right now, Lord, that's what I want you to be. Be the Lord. Be the Lord of my life. I want you to have control. I want you to be at the center of everything that I do and everything I am. If you just admit that that you're here and you you know that you have not committed your time to the Lord. You're you're stressed, you're worried, you're anxious. You're living in fear and insecurity about time, about your schedule. If that's you, just put your hand up right now. Just put your hand up. I'm just stressed, I'm worried. I know I haven't completely allowed God to work in this area of my life. Raise them high, Father God. We just come before you, every one of us that are raising our hand right now. We just confess that we're weak and we can't do this without you. God, we need you. God, we don't want to just make our own plans and our own heart and have our own desires. God, we want you to give us the desires of our heart. We want you to show us the way that we need to walk in. So God, give us wisdom. God, help every person that's raising their hand. God, whatever's causing the stress and the worry and the doubt God, right now, we just we invite you into the middle of our schedule. 
We invite you into our time. We invite you into our days. God, I thank you that you're going to lead them by your Holy Spirit in practical ways. It might be that they need to sit down and look at their week and look how they're spending their time. It may, need to be, it may be that they need to sit down and make those lists that we talked to you, God, I, I, about today. God, I need to stop doing this. I know I need to stop. This relationship is not producing fruit or life, and it's not helping me be, be the man or God that the man or woman of God that you want me to be, God, I need to stop that relationship or something that you need to start. God, help them, lead them by your Holy Spirit. I thank you for that. Lord, we want to have a sense of anticipation and joy and peace and fulfillment about the lives that we're living. But God, let us also have a sense of urgency that you could return at any moment. And at any moment, you could call us home. And so with every moment that we have and every breath that we breathe, let us be intentional. Let us enjoy everything that you've given us in life. Let us walk with balance and temperance with how we spend our vacations, with how we spend our time, with how we develop our hobbies, with how we do all those things. God, just help us to walk in wisdom. We thank you for that. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Amen. If you're thankful for God's word, let's give God a hand. Let's give those people to raise their hand, hand to hand.